Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sex Queens. I'm Jules. And I'm Maggie. Keeping you on top so you stay hot. Take my little drink. You sound like such a lush. I am so lush. You can hear that ice sound? Guess what? Today I'm faking it. I'm having tea because I'm dying. Because I can't, I can't do a fourth day. I, I literally yeah. cannot. So it's okay. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. I know. Sometimes I'll, give you, I'll give you this one pass. Sometimes the body just says, "Please stop." <laughs> right. Hey everyone, welcome to Sex Queens. Today's topic is role playing. I thought this would be a great topic to do in time for Halloween, since Halloween is the um, holiday where everyone dresses up and some people like to pretend to be someone they're not. So role playing kind of have a, has a little bit to do with that. And the psychology behind it's actually pretty interesting. So we're going to be talking about the sexual side of role playing today, um, which I'm really excited about. Yes, role playing and fantasies. And that's a big thing for everybody. I know we touched on it a little bit back in like the fetishes episode, because sometimes it kind of is. But for the most part, it's just more of a fantasy and living it out but in the bedroom. And I definitely thought that it was appropriate for Halloween too, because a lot of times role play includes some costume or being somebody else literally in the bedroom. So I thought it was very um, coinciding with that and thinking about, well, what are your favorite fantasies and what type of things do people like dressing up as? There's like the most common ones, but something interesting to think about. Yeah. And um, when I was reading about role playing, And actually something just to kind of think about, like from the psychological side of it is role playing isn't only a sexual thing. Usually I feel like when you hear it in conversation, it's usually meant to be about the sexual role playing. But role playing in general is used by a lot of therapists and counselors um, because it's just a really good way to take yourself out of like if you have anxiety, for example, about something role playing can be a really good way to take yourself out of that social situation that might be giving you anxiety or take yourself out of that mental space that might be causing your problem and kind of help you to objectively uh, identify whatever third party variable it is that's stressing you out or what's inhibiting you from acting a certain way or like doing a certain behavior or something. Um, So role playing itself can actually be very therapeutic in a lot of different ways. Yes. And it's common, like exactly how you're saying it's common in therapy. It's common with children. It's common with adolescents. It's just like a way to be able to think out problems differently Because when you're role-playing, you're imagining the scenario or you're putting yourself in it, but it's not necessarily you doing it. So it's kind of easier because it's like you're almost putting yourself in a third person by thinking out the scenario. But that's also why I think it's so popular, or at least psychology-wise, because we as humans tend to be very self-judgmental by nature. So stepping outside of our comfort zones, that's hard for everybody. So sometimes just having these fantasies or having these ideas of being somebody else or being like, how would I act in this situation or how would I want to? It's a lot of times easier to fantasize about it rather than being the one to jump in and act on it, Um, which is one of the things that I write about and touch on when it comes to role playing when it comes into the bedroom is kind of how to ease into it and be comfortable. But there's definitely a psychological component of it that like, oh, if I'm playing somebody else, maybe I can give myself permission to act in a way that I normally wouldn't because I'm scared that I might be embarrassed or judged or even harsh on the self. I think that's one of the most common things is that people are harsh on themselves. So escaping into a fantasy 
helps alleviate some of that. Yeah, totally. It's very similar to, I feel like method acting, anyone who's listening, who has done any kind of like performative art, uh, acting is kind of the first one that comes to mind for me, but it's a similar situation there where you're mentally putting yourself in this separate character that doesn't necessarily think like you think, doesn't act how you would act. And it gives you this opportunity to do things like you said you wouldn't normally do and react in ways that you might find exciting, but your you know day-to-day self who gets lattes at Starbucks like wouldn't do. <laughs> lattes at Starbucks. That's a very, that's a very basic white girl thing to say. That's a very basic white girl thing to say. But Starbucks. Yeah. I'm not going to do that because I go to Starbucks. Well, yeah, like there's things that I think about doing, but in reality, I'm like too much of a chicken shit to do sometimes in public spaces, if I'm being honest. But if I was, you know, pretending that I was um, Jessica Lange, for example, or like Angela Bassett or somebody who's like really confident or at least, you know, confident when I see them on screen, then I might walk in and be like, I don't give a fuck. This is what I'm thinking. So kind of like that where it's a it's sort of like a form of method acting and so sexually it can help a lot of people and actually be really empowering for uh many individuals because there's a lot of shame around sex you know we've talked about this in our our past episodes so you know we don't have to be a broken record with that but um there's a lot of yeah like shame and just social constructs around different sexual fantasies that people might have so i think as long as you and the other people participating in the role play with you are comfortable and give consent like fully, then it can be a really fun, empowering experience because you might actually realize that you're capable of doing things that you didn't realize you were capable of doing or feeling simply because you're just taking yourself out of your day-to-day mindset. Yeah. It kind of goes along with just taking yourself out of your comfort zone, but sometimes we need to pretend in order to be able to actually do it. Cause kind of how you said, just in general and how I said, like our brains cause this barrier sometimes just being very easily embarrassed. And especially in the bedroom, people tend to get embarrassed easily. Or a lot of the times there's just this awkwardness or being like, how is this going to be perceived? So a fantasy and like a role play, being able to talk about a scenario and then, know that both parties are interested makes it exciting it adds like an extra layer of fun in that type of way of being like oh this is something that I fantasize about and usually fantasies are maybe something that are outside of the comfort zone or sometimes a little bit naughtier than maybe you'd normally be or maybe a little bit more adventurous or whatever the case is it's usually something that's more exciting to you than your normal day-to-day self yeah, that's a good point. It's it's a really good way to connect with your partner um, and like increase intimacy. I know a lot of couples that have tried role playing after they've been together for a while or when they think the fire's, you know, is kind of starting to turn into a low simmer. Um, that's, you know, role playing can be a really good way to kind of take yourself out of the same old positions or same old, you know, sex routine that you do all the time. Yeah, because it's a way to get creative. It it makes you use a different portion of your brain than you normally would. Because just like with anything, that's true. I like that you bring that up. Like sex, when you've been with somebody for a while, you do develop a routine just because there's like things that are effective and efficient. And when you're with somebody for a while, usually you're like, well, we'll just do our go-tos because we know it feels good and it works. But then there's times when you want to do something different. And this is a good way to get creative with it of being like, well, what are we going to do different? Um for sure. Missionary isn't mandatory. <laughs> not that again, no, it's not mandatory. Not that the go-tos aren't effective because that's usually put a, one of the things of relationship is you figure out what works and you use it. But then this is like for the funner explorative side. 
Yeah, switch it up. (laughs) Um, Important to note, though, it's not for everyone. So I think I read like 44, about 44%, about half of people would would act out role play. And then uh, the number was higher for people that have like imagined doing role play, but aren't sure if they are willing, if they're ready to act it out. So like people that have had a a role play fantasy about their partner or about a partner that was higher in like the seventies percent. And then people that actually would act it out or go through with it is more like 44%. Um, but it is common, but at the same time, like I said, it's not for everyone. Uh, they, some researchers have said that it's actually certain personality types that are more prone to doing a role play, like act, actually going through with all of it. Mm-hmm. And it said that people who have experienced transforming themselves into like another character. So like we were saying before, actors, singers, performers, um, even like athletes, because they're that's a type of performing. They tend to be more turned on by role play than people that don't fill those roles. And it might have to do with the idea that they're so used to taking risks because they perform like when you step on stage, you know, you're taking a risk and that you might make a mistake or like, I've heard this, I'm a big comedy fan. And I've heard this from comedians where they say, once you bomb in front of 500 people, all the day-to-day like embarrassments just kind of go away. So I feel like if you're a performer, you're just used to like, something's going to happen. There's going to be embarrassing moments. And so that confidence level is a little bit higher and like trying new things and taking those risks. So Researchers have said that more that people that fill those roles are more prone to role play. Which would make sense. And then also how you were touching on that it's, I mean, it can be scary and it can be embarrassing. That's one of the holdups that people have. Like I could understand just sometimes just thinking about it, but not wanting to act on it or potentially like how you said in that statistic that like this amount of people would act it out, but like some amount of people might just want to, talk about it sometimes just talking about a fantasy could be exciting in and of itself oh, totally um you know just for that part of the brain even if you're not acting on it it could still be worth the conversation um and knowing that you're not the type of person who would actually want to do it which i think is fine too um but i actually read an article where it kind of goes into the ideas of how to do it so for it to feel like kind of tips of how for it to not feel so silly or even if it is silly, but like how to make it more comfortable. Um, okay. Like, you know, tips for that. Of like, how would you, it's kind of like uh, you're talking about acting. This is, would still be like getting into character. Um, so one of the things is definitely being able to um, fill that idea of what the fantasy would be like, like building it. So it's like for you and your partner to be able to f- set the scene Like, you know, some people are very into the idea of, like, let's say somebody in uniform. So, like, police officers or firefighters, like, that's often a big one. Or, like, nurses and French maids. Like, those are all those, like, old school classic ones that people think about. Maybe it's even, like, ingrained in us. But being able to talk about what the dream would look like to be able to have, like, that be built on. Like, what kind of, what kind of eating would you want? What kind of, um, what kind of things sound hot to you? Things like that. Um, so being able to scope that out as like a first step um, is a way to test waters. And then also being able to like ways to bring it up for it to feel more natural sometimes could be like talking about like, oh, have you ever dreamt of any fantasies? Or if people are nervous to talk about it, they could start texting each other about it to kind of bridge the waters just to see how oh, that's a good idea. like, you know, if you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, because that's something 
that's like I feel like texting now is like a way to communicating but that's something that often gets used in therapy too is like let's say like writing things out for each other and the other person reading it it's a way it's a good way to express thoughts without feeling or fearing that you're going to get judgment and letting each person process things I know that that's definitely a technique that I use in couples in different scenarios because a lot of times it's easier to broach things by written form first before you talk about it. No, that's a really good idea. Um, I think that's kind of an overlooked method of therapy in anything in your life, but also mm-hmm. sex. Yeah. And like talking, and like writing about it. Cause again, sometimes it could be uncomfortable, but then yeah. once the idea is out there, it can be easier to discuss and talk about. Or if it's not easier, the other person can have a chance to write back. Cause sometimes it's just easier to have that than you're not having the face to face and you can move your way into the face to face. Also, like if you don't want to send the text message, but you want to write it out like in your notes app, um, because maybe you know that you want to do a role play and you kind of know what you want to do, but you're not sure exactly how you want it played out. Maybe you can write it out, you know, on like a separate tab that you don't intend to send to someone. So then you can kind of work out with yourself exactly how you want to do it. So then when you go to the person, like you make a very clear distinction on what you do want to do and what you don't want to do, because then, you know, there's no like confusion about what direction you want to go. So that might be important too. Yeah. Like setting it up. Um, The next part would be making sure I touched on this already before, but even though we do it in our own brains, also making sure we're doing it with the other person is to be able to declare the bedroom a judgment free zone. Now that should already be for any kind of sex at any time (laughs) because you're not there to judge, but it's even more important for things like this. Like when you're trying to get a little bit more kinky or be outside of the box for people to feel comfortable revealing that it's really important that when you're talking about it, you make a pact like you're not going to laugh at each other's fantasies or choices or performances that you're going to commit to keeping it private. If that's what you're comfortable with, not sharing it with other people Because obviously when doing these types of things, you are going to be more vulnerable and you want it to be fun for both people and for it to be a pleasant experience. So having some of those. Consent is a big, big thing with this one. I I mean, consent is always a big deal, obviously. Right. I think with this one, it it goes both ways where it's like you're telling someone that you want to do this very vulnerable, emotional thing that, you know, can have a big effect on someone's confidence. But then at the same time, if you are being asked of like, if you're the partner being asked, hey, I want to do this really think about whether you actually want to do it because you don't want to give your consent and then have it backfire in the middle of the act or, you know, when it's quote unquote too late and then you're not having a good time Um, because your other partner will be able to pick up on that. Like if you say, yeah, I'll try that with you. And then in the middle of it, you're not having fun. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like if you're, if you're not enjoying what's going on and then that can really damage the person who requested it and kind of make them like curl in further. So it's like a dual play where you have to really make sure that if your partner's asking you, you can say like, actually, I'm not totally comfortable with that. What, where can we meet in the middle to maybe work up to that? And I think we mentioned this with the cuck holding situation where like, you know, when you're, when you're presenting it to your partner, instead of like going straight from, we only have sex with each other completely monogamous to, I want, you know, you to, I want you to watch our neighbor yeah, baby. Right. Like he's into it. And so like, if you are pre- presenting this to your partner for the first time, maybe consider that or like give them options. But then also if you're being told it really think about what you are actually comfortable with and what, and not just like making your partner happy. Because I think with couples too, that are struggling 
um, like since this is a method used by a lot of couples that have reached a stalemate or some type of lull, you really want to make your partner happy and you kind of want to save it, but you actually might make that backfire decision of agreeing to whatever they want to do because you're so desperate to save your sexual life that you actually end up doing something that really is unpleasant for you. And then your partner picks up on that and then it kind of snowballs into something worse. So I feel like you're better off just having that open conversation and being like, I hear you and I'm down to go in that direction. I just don't think I'm ready to be there yet. So how can we work through this? And that can be a very healing process and a really good learning moment for the both of you. Well, yeah. And then how you were saying, I think in all of these types of scenarios, it's all about communication in the moment. Like how we always talk about most of these things and we're like, talk about it before, but then talk about it during, like how you said, it's like, oh, if one partner looks like they're not enjoying themselves, it's not like you can't stop and talk it out then. Or, you know, ease into it or try it out. Like, it's the same as, like, if you're trying different sex positions, right? And sometimes in your head, you're like, this would be great. Let's try this. And then you're, like, in it. And you're, like, neither one of us can hold ourselves upright. The one person's getting a cramp. Like, it's just not working. But you don't know until you're trying it. But that doesn't mean you can't communicate in that moment and be like, no, no. This actually feels like total shit. (laughs) And I need your leg out of my... Right. I actually don't like this ruler shoved up my anus. I need this out of me immediately. <laughs> but again, you would never know until you're doing it, right? Because you could imagine something like you've seen something and you're like, we can do that. And then maybe you realize you're not as athletic as you thought and maybe you can't. And maybe that's okay. <laughs> but you don't know until you I feel you're like there. I'm saying this from personal experience. Because, like, you know, you know me, the skinny fat. I'm so athletic, aka not at all. I eat cheese. I'm athletic, but I eat cheese. You know how athletic I am, and then you know sometimes you're like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not." I get winded. I get winded after going up two flights of stairs, <laughs> and then but I'm like, "Oh, I'm athletic." <laughs> but somehow I think I'm athletic. Well, right, remember, my like, my remember like, that this year I play tennis now, everybody. So oh, that's right. Now <laughs> I'm so athletic, actually. So now that means any position's the limit now. Um, oh, you should try the wheelbarrow because I've never known anyone that's done that position. You think it's kind of hard, like you need, you need a lot of core strength. From knowing me, you think I, I am at that level already <laughs> or at anywhere, any, anywhere near that level. <laughs> well, cause that's the one where you're on your arms and your legs are behind you. If you're the submissive role and the uh-huh. dominant role is holding your legs behind you. Uh-huh. And like, that's just a lot for both of you. That's a it's lot. A lot so I'm glad you think I have arm strength when you know I don't. I have core strength <laughs> and I have, I have a little bit of flexibility. That's about it. <laughs> That's where it's ending. But yes, point being, <laughs> communicate in the moment too. Know that the first time you do anything, it's going to be embarrassing. I mean, it's like learning any skill if you're afraid of messing up and not and afraid of not being an expert right away then you're never going to learn how to do anything and you're not going to be and remembering that likely you're going to laugh or think it's silly or might want to stop or break because you're not actors well unless you are actors then great you're already ahead of the game but most people we're not actual actors (laughs) (laughs) so then you're you're probably going to break or think it's silly or whatever but I think that that just adds to the fun um, this is kind of random, but it's related. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can like feel you giving me virtual glares. Um, <laughs> stay on topic. No, but I always wonder these actors that are like serious method actors, like um, Daniel Day-Lewis is one. 
And he played Abraham Lincoln when he did that. I think the movie was called Lincoln. And he was in character for months. And his wife would talk about how it was weird because he would talk like Abraham Lincoln, like around the house. So I wonder if he had sex like Abraham Lincoln. Probably. (laughs) What would that be like to be with someone who has to do that? Like meets me in my quarters and it's like 2015 you know like, and he's in character the whole time and you're like great next movie <laughs> if what if it's you're like great this is gonna make us like 10 million dollars but jesus christ this is so annoying especially if it's something that you hate or you might be like hey like let's say it's like that australian hunk and you're like yeah you can stay you, oh yeah you want to do some sequels honey sounds good to i know me. right <laughs> If he wanted to have some Thor Ragnarok sex with me, I would be all for be it. Like you can, you can do as many of those movies as you'd like, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe some like weird Edward Scissorhands sex. Okay, now we're getting off topic. Okay, now see that's what we do. So back to my article. That's what we do. The next thing about sexual fantasies is that remembering that they're not always going to be politically correct or align with like our ideological beliefs. I think that this one is important because that's something that I think about fantasies that happens a lot is that sometimes they are at odds at how people present themselves in the actual world. Like, let's say, for example, like a feminist might really like to engage in like being a slave in bed, or an engineer might really enjoy being a cheerleader character or something like that. So it's basically like a fantasy. A lot of the time, it's something that's outside of your norm, which I think psychologically makes a lot of sense. But it's like being able to accept that, that it's not always something that's going to be looked at as like, again, like if you're wanting to be a sex slave in the fantasy, it's not that you're trying to make that become a part of your actual everyday life. It's just a role that you want to do, um, which I think is an important like thing to remember. I like this one statement from it. It's saying that taking on a role in the bed is about playing with power, not about wanting the scenario to materialize. Um, these desires exist on a plane um, and it's kind of about being able to compartmentalize that because, again, a lot of times in bedroom, there is a lot of roles that include dominance and submission and sometimes risk, sometimes degradation. But as long as it's all consensual, um, it's just a reminder to not feel shame or judgment towards yourselves or towards your partner when you're wanting to try something out of the norm like that and something that in society might be deemed in some ways inappropriate. But again, when it's consensual, that's what makes it be appropriate and I think that's a really good point and and a couple things that you said that I want to reiterate because I think they were really great points Mm -hmm. one of them is the comment you mentioned about the feminists being slaves in the bedroom I think that's a really big one yeah because there is this idea that confident that there's this like correlation between confidence and sexual fantasy or like sexual desires and that if you're submissive in a sexual sense, meaning you do what the dominant person says, you're not usually calling the shots, you know, all of those characteristics that go along with that in a sexual sense yeah, does not translate into the real world. And it can, but it doesn't always have to. And oftentimes it doesn't. Um, so like that's, I think that's a really big one because um, I, I'd say as a woman, I have definitely experienced just discussing what I'm into sexually with men. They might say something like, oh, I'm surprised that you'd be into that just because of the way I am in my regular day to day. But it's almost like that's be- that's why I'm into that, because it gives me a break from how I am every day. So it's kind of almost in its way like a, a certain form of role play, because, for example, if you're a big boss, CEO, 
running your own company, like first woman to, you know, invent the spaceship of the thing. <laughs> and then wow. like this badass. I know, right? I'm just but like this badass bitch. But then in the in the bedroom, you know, say you're into BDSM and you're like being the submissive one. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. It's a control thing. I think it makes personally from my own personal share too, I think it makes sense when you have a lot of control in a lot of aspects of your life. In the bedroom is a fun way to lose some of that control in a fun way that's gonna lead to something pleasurable for you but it's in a way that sometimes lets you take some of that control away from yourself I think in a safe way because I for one I'm also on the same boat where I have a lot of control in my life so a lot of times in my in the bedroom life I like to be a little bit out of control because it's somewhere where I can be but I know nothing's gonna happen to me yeah and it's also like you said like a safe space to do that I think making a little bit of a pop culture reference too is that was one of the problems I had with one of there was several problems I had with this movie but one of the problems I had with the movie Fifty Shades of Grey was that they made a direct correlation where like Christian Grey is the CEO and I forget the girl's name Dakota or I don't know her I don't know her name but I don't know what she is in there anymore but Dakota Dakota (laughs) Uh, she is like the intern or whatever and then in the bedroom he's the dominant one and she's the submissive one and it was just so stereotypical also because like he's a man she's a woman you know and I just I didn't I would have liked to have seen for a movie that and a story that was that big of a deal I would have liked to have seen it flipped because I feel like more often than not, it is flipped. Because, um, again, it makes sense because it's a fantasy, and the fantasy yeah. is usually the opposite of what you're already having, like, in your yeah, life. Yeah, and something else that I think you touched on, which is, like, very similar to what we were just talking about, but the the job thing where, like, you can be, like you said, an engineer or some type of, like, mm-hmm. a plumber or something like that, but then in the bedroom you might want to be, like, spanked and tied up and, yeah. you know, submissive and, and ball gag and all this stuff, so... Um, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind, especially like, again, when your partner's telling you about these things, it's sort of like, if you, if you have all these thoughts, then, and these reactions, just wait, because it's a very vulnerable thing to reveal to someone. And then also, even if you're just hearing about someone's fantasy, it's really important not to judge them because I mean, one for obvious reasons, like it's important not to judge anyone, but, um, you're, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised with what people are into and how it it correlates to their everyday life, but it's not a direct correlation, if that makes sense. Um, and I actually read something really interesting about the submissive and dominant thing. So in a typical role play, there is, it's usually between two people. I didn't hear of any instances where it wasn't between two people. However, it's not like that was part of the official definition. So I don't see why it couldn't be, but the two people in a role-playing situation is there's usually the dominant and the submissive or like the top or the bottom, mm-hmm. some people say. And interestingly enough is that there's this paradoxical element to that. So sometimes when you get into like really heavy character role plays, like for example, librarian, sometimes part of the fantasy is flipping that paradox on its head. So for example, the stereotype of a librarian is like very reserved you know, conservatively dressed, quiet, uh, like follows the rules, all that kinds of things. And then in the fantasy, having them be very dominant, very sexual, you know, wearing lingerie and like wearing all of these very provocative clothing that you wouldn't normally see a librarian wear, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I thought those, that was interesting too, is that it's not just about being submissive or dominant, but there's also that paradox in within the character itself. Like it adds an extra layer to. Yeah. The, but it, again, it makes sense. Cause again, I still think it makes sense that a fantasy correlates with things that you wouldn't normally be a part of because right. that's why it's a fantasy. Cause you're like, I want to imagine that because I, I already know how to be this. So I want to imagine that. Wait, 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 wait. How did you pay for overdue books? Are you telling me that <laughs> I didn't have to pay in overdue books with spankings? <laughs> you, you did not. <laughs> you know what you had to do? <laughs> Never return them. No, I'm just God damn it, Mrs. Applebottom. All those years. <laughs> so sorry. That's why I drink. So that's sorry drink. you didn't know that. I didn't know. I thought that's how you paid for overdue books. <laughs> That's sorry. (laughs) Sorry, but sorry, but not sorry. We're going to move on from that. (laughs) We're going to move on. This is not, this is not my personal therapy session. session. I'm sorry. Your feelings are not going to be validated on the show. That's for the blooper reel. (laughs) Um, So other types of role play. Uh, So BDSM is, I think the number one in terms of just category, just it's way common among so many people. Um, Cross cultures too, like cross culturally. I mean, not just in American culture. Obviously, it's huge, but uh, it exists in all different cultures all around the world. Some form of BDSM. It might not be like leather straps everywhere, but that kind of heavily dominant and heavily submissive role is really common across the world. So that's probably the number one. But then, in addition to that, there's um, age play. Uh, so again, this kind of goes into what we were saying before, where one player takes the role of someone who's older, and then one person takes the role of someone who's younger and this is important to note for this one and for some of these other ones is that like you said there the idea of having a fantasy doesn't mean that there's intent to act on it like in the real world right I think that's really just in fantasy one. yeah right so like for something with age play you know you like you see a ton of pornos with this where that scenario might be played out but that doesn't necessarily mean at all that that person is intending on like you know doing something with like a minor or with a you know there's like animal play like with an animal or something like that it might honestly just be the idea of it is enough to get the sexual satisfaction because the actual act of it obviously could be very harmful or whatever it is right or this idea again with the age thing i think that there's also a component underlying it that goes along with like experienced unexperienced because that's a big part of fantasy role plays too is somebody taking on the roles like the person who's super experienced and the other person being the one who's like naive or not experienced and the other person's like teaching them or has control or power over them to do this scenario oh that's true yeah like the quote-unquote virgin fantasy yeah like that right or like yeah or somebody who just like just doesn't know a lot and then one person is like the dominant one like right like some of the more common things would be like let's say like professor student right or like um, boss, employee, like things like that, where there's like this role of like an experienced person and an unexperienced person. And that's some of the most common ones when it comes to lists of scenarios of what people think of. Like, you know, when you write a, when you write a list of different things, those are some of the main ones that come up. There was some that I learned about. I didn't even know existed. Like I've read about the, the typical ones, you know, BDSM, age play, nurses, doctors, authority figures, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few that I didn't even know. I guess I didn't ever consider existing because it's just not talked about in the mainstream, but gender play where one or more players take on roles of the opposite sex, 
which I thought was very interesting. And if anyone listening knows anything about gender play, we would love to hear more about it just because um, I would like to read more about that. I'd like to hear from anyone who's ever done that. Mm -hmm. That's very, very interesting to me because I feel like from a psychological perspective and, you know, everything that we talk about sexuality and all these things, that could be a very um, healing and constructive way to express yourself in a certain gender role. I don't know. I just, that's very interesting to me and I didn't know that existed. And so I'm curious about that. Um, and then there's goddess worship where typically like a woman is seen as a pagan deity, which I was like, well, isn't all sex with women goddess worship, but I digress. <laughs> totally. You're so funny. All women are isn't, all fun. so funny. isn't it all? Don't you just isn't worship the ground I walk on at all times? No, I mean, I worship the ground you walk on, Aggie. Well, I worship, exactly. I worship your ground. So everybody worships worships our ground. So technically, we're all in a constant role play of goddess. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> to date me is to be in goddess worship all the time. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm sure, like, I mean, that's basically Jay-Z's life, right? Just goddess worship, being married to Beyonce. Right? That really is. Yeah. And then the other one was owner slash inanimate object. Um, so like the typically, like we said, there's a dominant and submissive. So this would be the submissive being treated like a piece of human furniture, hmm. such as a toilet. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, OK. I OK. That's like, in, yeah, that's going to say that's like portrayed in pornos. So that. Yeah. 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 That and like that's sense. pretty common. Yeah. I mean, and I've. I guess I just never thought of that as a form of role play. Like, I guess it is a role play, part. yeah, because you're being an inanimate object of some sort. I just never thought about that. I always thought role playing was like we're both, you know, human characters. So yeah. it's really interesting to see that you could be like a chair. That's what I just thought of in my head. I was like a couch. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna be a couch, but <laughs> I don't even know how that plays out. I just that just what popped in my head. <laughs> like you're gonna be my plate, and I'm gonna put gonna... my cheese on you. There you go. Plate. See cheese. You're just. Gonna... <laughs> Honestly, that sounds really sexy to me. That actually does. Ooh, I'm going to be your cheese right plate oh and you can be my wine bowl. Is it hot in here or do I just want cheese? <laughs> i tell you. Wow, we're just um, so sexy. We really know how to mix it up. <laughs> yep. Definitely most I mean, of our fan base wants to date me after the, I say things like that. That's for sure. I think this episode is going to get us a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, suitors. <laughs> I think it's going to get us a centerfold in Playboy. I really do. I'm pretty confident. Like a cheese spread. <laughs> yeah, like we're like I'm naked and I'm just holding a giant brie in front of me, so you can see the details. Do they even do spreads in Playboy anymore now? Since I don't know, since you died. Is that even an option to aim? For? I hope. I mean, that was the best part. I know that was the best part. I'm just curious if that's still a thing. I don't know. I, I don't know if they still do centerfolds. <clears throat> I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. But that's that could be a good idea. Playboy, submit that cheese, cheese. Uh, if anyone's listening, cheese. And you know, <laughs> and you are currently on the mailing list. If that's even a thing anymore, is it just <laughs> whatever it is? Either way, what yeah, well, let us know. We're we're into the idea of being cheese centerfolds. Basically, is what we're getting at. Yes, I just want to be naked, holding a giant brie. <laughs> I think that'd be really funny. Cheese queen. <laughs> um, it'd be great promotional material. Anyways, so the top three that people have tried are medical. So like doctor, nurse, or patient. Um, 13% of people that have role played have done that. 
And then uh, teacher or student, also 13% of people that have done it have done that. And then authority figure slash misbehaving adult, um, which is 12%. So pretty even, but those are the top three. And I feel like that's not very surprising. No, those aren't surprising. Just like how I had said some of the stuff that I had listed off, I feel like it's all very common. But sometimes like when people don't have ideas, like it's nice to just look at a list and think of it. Like, you know, like, oh, delivery person, customer, like that's one of the common ones. Or mm-hmm. like cheerleader, football player, right? Chef, must like the plumber, must therapist, like- client, things like that. But it's like sometimes you just need some ideas just by looking at it can be helpful. Well, yeah, it's even like those 1970s pornos, you know, where the guy shows up and he's like, do you have a leaky pipe? And she goes right this way. And she just opens the door and like negligee and then, you know, 2 p.m. I know. And you're like right here or you're like a pizza delivery. See, look, I still like to have food in mind. I'm, I'm like pizza delivery person. Honestly, pizza delivery, I would totally act out. That's what I'm saying. Even that. in my pornos, I'd like there to be some food, please. Maybe. Did you order pizza and then you just go, I don't know, does it have extra cheese? Again, so hot, so sexy. <laughs> so cheesy. Did you bring some dessert? There you go. Is the crust stuffed? <laughs> are you are you anyway. pitching this? Are you writing it? I, I don't that's know. Exactly I'm, I'm going of, that's actually exactly the type of lines that they would have. Is the cheese, is the crust stuffed? That would be a line in there because it's so, so cheesy. Double stuffed. <laughs> It'd be <Ooh>. in there. <laughs> Double stuffed pizza. Um, Anyway, so the three that people want to try are escort, stripper, and uh, photographer slash model, which I thought actually like when I read that, I've never thought of that as a fantasy, but I was like, that's kind of hot because you could get some pictures out of it if you really have a camera. If you really have a camera. There you go. Adding on on to the role play, have real props. (laughs) No, props are actually a big thing. That's a good oh, point. I know. Um, well, that is. That's why the costumes thing comes into it because that's part of the props. But going on that, like backtracking on that a little bit, a lot of the times they do recommend when you're starting out on this to first just start with just talking about it and easing into it and like doing the verbals with it before actually getting props and outfits because then it's like working your way into being comfortable with it with actually doing it. So let's say that that scenario would have been like, let's say a cheerleading one or something like that. It would be like first just talking about it, like maybe whispering to the person's ear, like, oh, we probably shouldn't be doing this for your parents in the other room or something like that. Like to get comfortable with it verbally before Mm -hmm. getting props. Or like, oh my God, I'm on the keto diet. I shouldn't eat this much pizza. (laughs) (laughs) You have to bring it back. Yeah, I'm just going to keep this theme going. <laughs> yeah, you know you're part. trying to carb cut. You're like, oh, do you need to get spanked for that? You know you're trying to carb cut. Just you shouldn't be eating all that crust. Bring it all around. <laughs> um, I think this episode yeah, is going to be changed to Jules writes a porno, but it's going to just be about cheese. <laughs> oh, that's always been on the table. Jules, Let me just clear that Jules up. Jules writes a porno today, but it's about cheese. <laughs> Yes, it's going to be very cheesy porno <laughs> in all senses of the word. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that's pretty much what I had on role playing. Do you have anything else to add that we haven't really touched on? Um, setting limits in advance, which we did touch on. But oh, that's a good that's point. Yeah, safe word or a big in thing. advance. Like how we talked about consent. Like yes, 
well, obviously we mention that all the time, but it means um, anytime. And again, having the limits figured out beforehand about the fantasies. So that's yes, this does not mean girls. The limit does exist. Mm -hmm. Find it, figure out where it is. But yeah, definitely come up with a safe word. Make it a word that you wouldn't normally say. Like, don't make it stop or that hurts or something. Make it a very strange word, like like pineapple. My my <laughs> pineapple is very common. Yeah, or like you know, you know, make it your own. It could be uh, snuffleupagus. <laughs> I've just always liked the word pineapple. My friends even use that when. Like if we're on vacation and we think we're, it hasn't even happened, but I've used that before about like, oh, if we're in a dangerous situation, let's just say pineapple. I think Kevin Hart, the comedian, also like has a bit about the word pineapple where he uses it that way. It just seems appropriate because all of a sudden saying pineapple is so random. That's true. <laughs> in but any yeah, situation, everybody just like pineapple. <laughs> having a safe word is super important because, for example, in like the BDSM world, Sometimes a lot of people have that fantasy where you want to say like stop or don't or I don't want Yeah, that. like those words That's don't like work because you yeah, cuz right. you say that so, sometimes. Right. Right, cuz you might be like stop and they're like, "Oh yeah, harder." And you're like, "No, stop." And they go, "Yeah, even harder." Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, an issue. Have so, have a word random. <laughs> right, have a word that you definitely will not say in that situation. That's a big one. And then another part of this, because we kind of talked about this, but in general, when it comes to role playing of any kind or fantasy, a big part of it is suspending your disbelief because <laughs> this is active and it's acting and it's about being silly. So, and that's how a lot of times you're going to feel when you're first doing it <laughs> because you can't not like any kind of role play scenario, like even when you're dancing around for each other or whatever it is that you're doing <laughs> that's outside of the norm, a part of it feels silly and a part of your brain knows that. <laughs> So you have to give yourself some space into being like, okay, we're actually going to believe it or we're going to try to get into it for like 10, 15 minutes and see how it goes. Um, yeah, start slow. Trust your partner. Trust yourself. Know that it's not going to be perfect the first time. And yeah. I think that's another thing that we, we haven't really touched on, but I feel like it just fits over into everything is like what you see in the movies as a role play. That's not. That's never going to be anyone's first time. I don't care if you are Jessica Lange or Angela Bassett. Like, that's just not going to be your first time. It's going to be embarrassing. There's. You're going to have to figure it out as you go. It's like having regular sex. It's so rare that someone's first time is like great. You know. No, so and it's usually not. That trust, right. As long as you have that trust there and you have that good relationship with whoever you're doing it with, then know that you're going to have a good time. Know that. You know, laugh, laugh at the at the embarrassing parts, laugh through it. Right. And like being able to actually get into it, like how you said, like slowly and like thinking about what things would add it on, like sometimes maybe using part of your role plays into everyday life, like bringing up the character, because then it's fun to think about it later. Or thinking again of like the costume or the hair, or what's going to put you in the mood of it, but not expecting for it to read like a script or movie, just kind of going with it. And just like with all good sex or with any sexual things, I think that that is always a key takeaway is that it typically gets better with time and practice. Like even when you have really good sex with somebody up front, it only gets better later on because the more you get to know each other and the more that you explore, the better that it is typically. So it's like the same with this. Like, you know, first few times you might flub or even if you start off good, that doesn't mean that it's not going to get better with practice. Um, exactly. And having fun with it. Yes. You know, then, practice makes perfect. So again, if you want to do that wheelbarrow trick, <laughs> try it 10 times practice. before your arms can do at least one push up. Yeah, there you go. 
do push-ups mm-hmm. and then you can do the wheelbarrow until, until you can get to it and just remember that awesome. it, it takes time and for anyone listening if you've tried role-playing please let us know we love hearing your guys stories and hearing how you connect with our episodes and what you think of our topics and how we can take that further um, that's like really why we made this show was to open that conversation. And so we'd love to hear from you and please, please, please tweet us, Instagram us and our handles, sex Queens pod, S E X Q U E E N S P O D on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then also you can always email us uh, sex Queens pod at gmail.com, but truly like we love to hear from you guys. If there's something we missed, if there's something we messed up, or if there's something you want to hear more about in a future part two episode, please let us know because we literally do this for you guys. So, um, you know, truly appreciate everyone's support. And uh, we really want to hear your thoughts on this topic because I feel like this is something that affects a lot of people. Everyone that has sex has some kind of role play fantasy situation at some point in their lives. So uh, we'd just love to hear about your experience with it. Like, for example, when I asked my when we asked our Twitter followers earlier today, um, someone responded and was like, I've actually tried it, but turned out it wasn't for me. And I like, I like hearing about that stuff because, you know, obviously I can go on and on, but well, yeah, know- everyone's going to have a different experience. And with all yeah. sexual things, it's just nice to open that conversation to hear the different experiences because that's how people get more comfortable with sharing it in general. And then that's how it becomes more norm and not taboo to talk about, which is the big, big goal. It shouldn't be taboo because it sucks. <laughs> Awesome. Well, then, to wrap up, as always, we don't know why you came. But we're glad you did. See you next time, Loyal Royals.